And we're going to jump in here for a few moments and look at the issue of purity in action. I think there's a, a great need in our culture today to talk about purity. I don't like to talk about purity. It's not a very fun thing, very enjoyable thing. And I, I, I want to give you some solutions tonight. I think we all know the need in our culture. Um, and I want to hopefully give you a few thoughts to help you. I, I, I believe you, if, if you weren't here, the fact that you're here tonight says there's a desire for you to be what God wants you to be. And so what we need is just some help on how to move in that direction. Uh, so I hope this will be an encouraging and helpful time to give you some handles on how to move move in that direction of purity. So let's, let's go to the Lord and ask him to meet with us here these, these minutes. Father, thank you for these folks, and, and they could be a lot of other places. I pray that you just um, open our hearts to be receptive to what you want to say to us. Take us another step um, in, the, in the progression of sanctification. We want to um, give the world a right view of you in the way that we live. And, and God, we know that we live in such a, um, an impure culture, an impure world, and, and we groan with creation um, for your return, for you to come and to set everything right. And, and until, until that happens, Lord, we want to be um, tangible representatives of, of, of you and, and respond in ways that people would uh, be able to see um, who you are as they watch our response to a, to a godless culture. And so um, give us some handles, some solutions. We'll give you praise. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I think there's a, an enemy of our soul who doesn't live in Africa. The, the enemy is uh, Satan's alive and well and living not just on planet Earth, as was stated years ago, but living right here in our culture. And, and he is a liar. The, the enemy, uh, Satan, is the father of lies. And, and there are some things that he wants us to believe. Um, he wants us to believe that our moral sin is, is not that bad. I, I think there's a tendency to look at moral sin and, and base it on, well, at least I'm not doing this, 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 and this. And, and we've got to start by acknowledging that we all have a need. Everyone faces a battle with impurity. Some are winning the battle, some are losing the battle. But we want to, we want to say, okay, there, there are some needs and, and, and it is a problem. So we, we got to start by looking at the fact that there is a problem and then, and then the solution. Um, here, here's why it is a problem. Moral impurity brings a curse. It curses our family. I mentioned this morning the, the sins of the parents are visited the third and the fourth generation. Now, now here's, here's the good side of the story. Just as our wrong choices make it more difficult for our children, our right choices can make it easier on the following generations. We're in a meeting down uh, just not too far from here in Indiana some years ago. And I was talking to this church had a Christian school and I was doing chapel one day and I, I was challenging the students with the air of purity. And I, and I was, I was challenging with some things that we had done and with our kids. And, and I, and I said, um, and I, a, senior, a student there who's a senior in high school came to me and he said, um, he said, my dad has challenged me in purity. And he was, this kid was a senior. He was, he was going to Liberty next year on a basketball scholarship, sharp kid. And he said, I have, I've committed myself to be morally pure. And, and I, he said, I kind of get laughed at by some of my friends because I'm not going to do some of the things they're doing. But, but he had such a great spirit about him and a desire for purity. I went to his dad that night in the service. I said, how did you build into your son such a desire for purity? He said, well, you know, Steve, I, 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 I never really struggled to a large degree with impurity. 
I went to my dad one day and I said to my dad, I said, dad, how come, um, I was in college and I said, how come the rest of the guys around me here in college, they're all being drawn to pornography and drawn to this. And, and, and it's a temptation, but it doesn't seem to be as much of a draw to me as it is to some of my friends. And his dad said, well, when I was your age, I was incredibly impure. And, and there came a point in my life where God just drew a line in my heart and said, are, are you going to continue in that way or are, are you going to take a stand? And he said, I, I have struggled with moral impurity all my life, the grandfather now said. But he said, I feel like to some degree I've won the battle for you. I've made it easier for you. Now, I was talking to the grandson who was still reaping the benefit of a grandfather who had made some right choices. And we can sit there and say, you know, my dad was immoral, my grandfather's immoral, it's just the way it's going to be. Or we can say, I'm, I'm going to draw a line, I'm going to help make it easier for succeeding generations by making right choices in my life. Now, now again, it doesn't guarantee right choices in your children, but you can make a path for them to make easier choices or make it more difficult. They still have to make their own choices. But, but the fact is we can set a pattern for uh, our, our generation that, that, that is helpful. Secondly, it curses our faith. Romans 1, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, became vain in their imagination, their foolish heart was darkened, professed themselves to be wise, they became fools. And it goes on there and says in three times, and God gave them over to their own ways. So, so moral impurity, no matter what level it's at, does affect our faith. It affects our future. Proverbs talks about the, the simpleton who goes past the, the, the avenue of, of the strange woman, and it says he knoweth not that the dead are there. Like an ox going to the slaughter, he knoweth not that the dead are there. So it curses our future. So I, I just say that to remind you that moral impurity is a serious issue. We know that. But we kind of want to uh, put it aside, and, 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 and the enemy tries to convince us of that. Secondly, he wants us to be convinced. I'm the only one in the church who's ever struggled in this way. I could never go to anybody. I could never get accountability. I could never talk to anybody because everyone else is perfect, and so they wouldn't understand. Now, I, I wish that was the case, but the fact is everyone struggles with the issue of impurity. Some win, some lose, some are winning, some are losing, but everyone struggles. Let me just ask you, how many of you would be honest enough to say, either currently or at some point in your life, you have done major battle with the issue of moral impurity? Let me see your hand, raise your hand. I'm going to raise mine. Okay, so the point is we all face the battle. But the enemy tries to convince us, no, no, you don't, no one will understand this. And so we try to keep this thing in a closet, in a corner, and not ever get any help or any accountability because of that. And thirdly, we try to think that the enemy wants us to think about this. It's a private matter. Don't talk about it. Now, now, the Bible does say we're to avoid the shameful details of evil. You don't need to, to read books that explain the impurity of our culture. You don't need to know the specific details of evil. That is not helpful to you. But, but the fact is, we, we do need to talk about it. We need to address it in the church. The, 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 plot, the places where it should be talked about is in the home and in the church. Most kids learn about sex on the Internet or at a, at a public high school health class. And, and, be, and because we are so hesitant to talk about it, sex is not a dirty word. God invented sex. It was his idea. He could have made it have kids by mixing our earwax together if he wanted to, but that's not what he chose, all right? So it, it's his idea. But it's got to be in the boundaries of this book. And it needs to be talked about in the church and in the home. And if it's not...
here issue. That sounds like uh, sounds like rain. Okay, so so let me. Uh, I, I was thinking this through. Do you have another pack? No, that's not. It's this. It's right here. But well, then I won't have anything for right now. So bring me his Jimmy's. Okay. Anyway, um, uh, that's right. Let me let me see if that adjusts it just a little bit here, Nick. We'll go with this. I was thinking this through some time ago, and I, I thought, why is it that we have? Um, such a, an issue with, with impurity. I, I think it's because over the, the years, we have had this thing, I'm, I'm going to call it innocent exposure. And it started years ago just because of the um, proliferation of, of, of just the Internet. And, and, you know, and there, there are great things about the Internet. But if I could take all the good things about the Internet, put it on one side, all the bad things on the other side, um, I would have Al Gore go back and uninvent the Internet if, if I could. Uh, but, 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 but even though there, there are some negative things, we, we need to take the positive things, use those, but, but look at the things that are, that are negative. And I think a lot of this exposure comes from parental indiscretion. We have a responsibility as parents, as grandparents, to, to close, keep doors closed, with our with our children until until they can handle some of those things that need to be opened and and we've opened doors too soon and 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 so you need to think through what are some things that we can do in the home just to not be um, foolish about that what that leads to the innocent exposure or culture leads to this thing called a curious search and and I'm, I'm just going to call this justifiable ignorance it's things like going to a website. I, you don't know exactly what's there, but, but you, you know that going in that direction is not going to be a helpful thing. And we justify it by saying, I didn't really know that was going to be there. And that, that curious search then leads to experimentation and we start toying with sin. And I, I've just seen this, this progression in, and I, I've worked for 44 years with college age young people and I've just seen this progression and it comes then to an habitual hunger and this practice of sin. It starts all the way back with innocent exposure. Now we, we can't keep from being exposed to a, a culture that is, that is moral and immodest, but we can't, we don't have to pump it into our homes. There, there are things we can do to keep our kids guarded at younger ages from those things. And you're going to be um, counted as, a, as, as kind of silly. Uh, you, you may be awkward and odd in our culture. But the fact is, if we just go with the flow, go with the culture, the culture is heading headlong into hell. And so why would we follow that culture? So, 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 so you understand all that. Let, let me give you some practical things, hopefully, on how to win the war against the flesh. And these are just a, this is just a starting point. Uh, I, 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 I want to address this because we just don't talk about this enough. And, and you're not going to come to some solutions over a 30-minute session. But what you've got to do is say, God, I want to begin to study and, and, and read and, 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 and pray and, and be a part of this battle, not just think, well, you know, um, it, it's just going to happen. So here, here's, some, here's some solutions. Recognize your potential for moral failure. If you have the attitude that uh, this could never happen to me, that, that I'm, I'm going to be the exception of this, you're setting yourself up for failure. Everyone has the potential for moral impurity. Everyone, if, if you think that's not you, then, I'm, then, I, then I think you're um, uh, putting your, your head in the sand. Recognize and realize that um, the, the flesh is not reformable. I, I, I think that we um, have the attitude that, that uh, this is going to be somebody else's issue but not mine. Um, everyone faces the battle, some are winning, some are losing. Here's the second thing. Realize you don't have to give in to moral sin. God has called us to be holy. He's not going to call us to do something and then give us the, the power to do that. Holiness is a choice. 
I mean, the, the fact is, nobody really falls into sin. We, we choose, as we talked about the other night, we choose to make choices. So, so, so you don't have to give in to, to moral sin. And, and then thirdly, to resolve yourself once and for all to be pure. You know, you know the, the, the problem is, well, I've, I've done that before. I, I've made commitments before. I've, I've said, I'm not going to do this. I, I, I was reading through uh, Daniel some years ago. And, and you know the story of Daniel, how he's taken captive, and they're going to go um, taken into a, another country, and they're going to use them to kind of be part of their leadership. And Daniel knows that he's going to be treated to all the best of this other country, and, and part of the food that he was going to be offered was not acceptable at that point to his religion. And, and, and so before he got to, the, to Babylon, before he got to the, the place where he's going to be uh, raised, it says this in Daniel 1, that he purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with the king's meat. And when I read that, I, I thought this, the answer was formed before the question was asked. For Daniel, the answer was formed before the question was asked. He, just, he didn't wait until the bacon was served to think if he was going to eat it, Right. He, he decided on, on the road before he got there, I, I am not going to partake in that. And, and the, the place to choose against temptation is not when it's in front of your face. It's sitting in an auditorium just like this, where, where I resolve myself to say, I am not going to go down that road. I'm not going to go to that site. I'm not going to go that place because I, I know by putting myself in that situation, I'm going to be in trouble. Don't, don't make your decision when you're faced with a temptation, make your decision before your temptation. The answer was formed before the question was asked. Now, you say, well, I've, I've done that before, and, and, and I've blown it. Well, then resolve yourself again. I mean, here's a person who says, okay, I want to be pure, and they, they make a commitment, and they, they, they blow it. So, so what do you do? Well, you resolve yourself again. Well, well I, I, I didn't work last time. Well, do it again. What about the person who never makes that resolve, who never says, I want to be pure? Where, where are they going to be? So resolve yourself once again in this setting, not, not when you're faced with something, but in this setting, God, I want purity in my life. And then number four, remove all bitterness. We talked about that this morning. We talked about that on Wednesday night, that, that bitterness lays you open to moral impurity. We looked at the account there in, in, in Hebrews 12 of Esau. And, and, and I think the, the fact is that, that bitterness is at the root of most moral impurity. Because the fact is, when we get bitter, Satan offers us something and says, here, you deserve a little bit of relief. You deserve a little feel-goodness because of what's going on in your life. So you kind of, you owe it to yourself to indulge yourself in something other than what I want, than what God wants you to be involved in. So when you identify and confess every root of bitterness, it's an important step towards gaining moral freedom. And if you're not dealing with bitterness, then you're going to be a, a prime candidate for the issue of moral impurity. Number five it, it is restrain your flesh in every area. Romans thirteen fourteen says, make no provision for the flesh. Don't put yourself in situations where you know you're going to have greater temptation. Don't, don't, don't go those places. Don't put yourself in those situations. Um, when, when you make provision for your flesh, when, when, you, when you put yourself in the place of temptation, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Now, that, that, that may mean that you're going to have to draw some limitations on your life that the world might think is a little bit strange. Reject anything in your life that will lead you back into the bondage of the flesh. 
It, it may mean you have to change some of the television programs that you watch or stations that you have or magazines you receive or, or, or just some things. You say, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I, I can't be a part of that. It may change the, the, the way you drive to work. I mean, you, you go through Chicago, and, and, and here's this, uh, this billboard. It's, it's, a, it's a woman laying in a horizontal position. All she has on is a black, gownless evening strap. You know, and, 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 and so, you know, you, you drive. Okay, now, you can either choose to keep going, or you can say, I, I know that's there. I'm going to take a different route. I mean, you, you may have to do some things that are a little bit startling um, to, 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 draw, to not be in a position where you know it's going to be a temptation to have your mind go place you don't want it to go. And, and you have to make some choices to reject some of those things and then run from every form of evil. You know, there are some things that God says, stand up and fight this. There are other things that God says, run away from. Second Timothy 2.22 says, flee youthful lusts. And there are some things that you, you are not meant to stand and attack. You're meant to run from. And this area of moral temptation is something you run away from. You don't say, I can handle this. No, you can't handle that. God says, so run away from that and flee uh, those things. So, so identify those things. Number eight, renew your mind with the word of God. A, a holy mind comes from a holy book. David said, wherewithal shall young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word, with my whole heart I have sought thee. Let me not wonder of my commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. If you say, I want purity, but you are not in this book, then you're not being honest. If you say, I really want to think right, I want to have right thoughts, and you're not reading this book and getting this book into you, then you're not really serious. I was in a meeting some time ago. A man came to me, and uh, it was like on a Sunday like this, and, and, uh, and he says, Steve, I, I struggle with the issue of homosexuality. And I, I, really, I really want to be victorious. I really want to do what's right here. So I met with them, talked to them for a while. I said, listen, I'm going to be here another week. And, I, and I, I took a little piece of paper, and I went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I, and I wrote down some things. I want you to do this and this and this and this for these next seven days while I'm here. I gave him some passages to read, some verses to work on, some physical activity, some things to do. And I said, I want you to do these things. And then I want you to tell me next Sunday how your week has gone. So the week went by the next Sunday. Um, he didn't come looking for me. I went looking for him. And I said, well, how would you do this week on, on those things? I, I asked you the, the projects I gave you. He said, well, you know, the devil really got to me this week. The, the reality was he was feeling guilty about his sin, but he wasn't willing to take steps of action to replace those thoughts and temptations and to build his life. All he wanted to do is get some release from the guilt that he was facing. And, and if you are not serious about getting into this book, then you're not serious about purity in your life. A holy mind comes from a holy book. And, and, and until you get into it and make that a part of your daily life and schedule and routine, then, then you're just not serious. You're only serious about the guilt you're experiencing. Number nine is this, recruit the help of a godly believer or authority. Again, God has given us this thing called the body of Christ. And the important thing about a body is a body needs every part of that body, every member. We read in Scripture about that illustration, the hand can't say to the head, I don't, I don't need you. Or the, or the whatever, we, we all need each other. And, and God has given you people that will come around you and be part of your spiritual life. 
And, and you need to go to somebody and just say, would you, would you pray with me? Would you hold me accountable? Uh, I, I have an accountability partner that I, I daily have a, a contact with. The, the thing about, about, um, the inter- about um, technology is, is you, you can use that and leverage it in a good way. And I, I have a, a friend that I text every day, and he texts me every day. And, and I need that, and you need that, and you can take advantage of that. And again, that's it goes back to that lie of the enemy. Well, no one would understand, and so you can't talk about it. They will understand because everyone faces a battle with impurity. I had a man come to me and say, I thought someday when I got older, you know, this wouldn't be a problem. I wouldn't face moral temptation. He said, I've, I've come, he was in his 80s at the time. He said, I've come to realize I'm going to be tempted until the day I die. Maybe the day after I die. I don't know. But I, I just realized it's going to be a temptation. And, and, and so people do understand that. So find a godly believer or an authority that you can go to and, and just say, would you, would you hold me accountable? Now, we, we talked about the importance of of just uh, uh, being transparent and open and honest. And, and, and part of the thing that's holding us back is there are issues that we have faced in the past, and we're just not willing to be honest, even with our, our mate, even with people that are closest to us. Um, I, I remember a young man coming to me, and he, he, he said, Steve, I, I, I know that I have been involved before, when I was single, I was involved in homosexuality. He said, I'm married, I'm, I'm, I have a child, my, our second child is on, on the way, and, and I really feel like God wants me to talk to my wife um, about this so she understands the struggle that I face. She has no clue about this. And we're getting to raise a family. And I, and I think she needs to hear me share where I've struggled and, and so, so she can keep me accountable, keep my kids accountable. But right now she's like seven months pregnant. I'm afraid that if I, if I tell her now, she'll, she'll miscarry or whatever. And, and I said, you're right. You, you need to make sure that as you have this conversation with your husband, your wife, it's in God's timing. And, and that God's telling you to do that, but, but it would be helpful for her to know how, how to pray for you, how she can hold you accountable. Um, I, I remember sitting down with Debbie and just sharing with her the, the struggles of my life morally when I was in high school and college. She, she needed to know how, how to pray for me. We were getting ready to, to raise a family, and she needed to know how to help me. Now, if, if, you're, if you're having to have that conversation, let me just give you a couple of, of, of thoughts about that. If you're having to confess, I, I think there's a lot of ladies who, who have had an abortion years ago, and, 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 and they've never told their husband about that. And so now there, there's, there's just all these layers and, and they're wondering why there is friction because they're living under the pressure of this and, and there, there needs at some point, I'm not saying tonight, but at some point there needs to be some transparency so, so both of you can have a greater understanding of how to pray and be involved in each other's lives. If, if you're having to confess something to someone in, in a situation like this, make sure you do it in God's timing. Don't, don't just do it because on, on a whim, you make sure that God gives you the right timing and then realize the person that you're confessing to needs some time to respond to that. Don't expect them just to get over it in a, in a second. And, and, and you need to give full disclosure. Don't, don't uh, go to your wife and say, hey, I, I need to ask you to forgive me because, you know, there was this thing about 30 years ago that I did and then and, and can see how that goes. And then, and then a month later, say, yeah, there was one thing about 20 years ago. And, and then it's like in increments. And I'm wondering, you know, what's the next thing that's going to come? But, but if someone has to come to you and confess, you need to give full forgiveness. If you can't forgive your husband or your wife or your child or someone for their moral failure, if you can't forgive, what you're saying is, my requirements of you are greater than God's requirements of you. Now, I'm not saying you're going to go over it instantly, 
but, but you need to give full forgiveness. I tell you, the, the, the most incredible illustration of forgiveness I've ever seen in my life, we're in a meeting in Texas, and it was a, it was a church of like 1,200, and a, a deacon came to me after service like this, and he said, would you, would you meet with me? And I did, and he, he said, Steve, I, I've been involved in homosexuality within the last month. He was, he was married, he was a deacon, had a wife, children. He said, I've struggled all my life with this. And, and he said, and I'm, I'm just, I'm done. I, I've, I've wanted to get caught and it just, it hasn't happened. I, I'm just tired of this and I, I'm ready to do whatever I need to do. And I said, well, I, I, you're, you're going to need to tell your wife. I mean, this is something, this is not a 30 year ago thing. This is something in the last month he'd been involved in. And he said, Steve, I'll tell my wife. He said, I'll, I'll tell the church. He said, I'll take out a front page ad in the Houston newspaper. I don't care. I, I want to be free. Now, he didn't have to take out an ad. He didn't have to tell the church. He did resign as a deacon, which he needed to do. But, but, but a little later, a few, few moments later, I had his wife come in. And I, and I sat there and I watched as this man just unloaded his life. And, 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 and just in his brokenness and sobs. And, 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 and his wife was just blown away. I mean, she had, she had no clue. No, no, no clue at all that this had been a, an issue in, in his whole life. And he, he had been involved for like the last 15 years in, 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 in this lifestyle. And, and he, just, he was just sobbing in his chair, and, and, and she was just blown away. But I, I saw her get out of her chair, and, and, and she walked over, and she knelt down, and she wrapped her arms around her husband, and she said, Honey, it's going to be okay. We're, we're, we're going to make it. And I, I was just, I was just, my jaw was on the floor. I, I, I had never seen such instant, incredible forgiveness in my entire life. I, I was back in Houston uh, about a year later, and this couple came to a service. We were in another church. And um, she asked if she could talk to me, and she pulled me over the side. And she said, you know, a year ago, you met with us, and, and my life fell apart. I had no clue that my husband was involved in this. And it was just, I was, I was devastated. And for about a week, I, I just walked around in a daze, choosing to thank God, choosing right. But my, my emotions and my, my life, I was just, I was in a daze. And after about a week, um, I, 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 I just walked around saying, God, why? Why would you let this happen to me? And after about a week, I just said, God, even if I never know why, I trust you. It's okay. See, it's been a year now. She said, Steve, I, I can tell you why. She said, there have been three couples this year that have come to us, not knowing our situation, but three ladies have come to me and just said, my husband is involved in homosexuality. I don't know what to do. She said, we, we've started a, a group that meets in our home with three other couples now. And, and, and God has given us a ministry to other couples in our church that are walking through the same thing. She said, it's not a ministry I ever would have chosen, ever would have wanted, but I understand now why God allowed this to happen. God, God is using this in our life and giving us a ministry in the lives of others. And, and I believe that only came because of her willingness to give, give forgiveness. Now, if you're confessing, understand this perspective. The person who is confessing, they, they are um, you know, getting rid of this, this, this frustration. 
Actually, those two should be backwards. Um, that, that's, that's backwards. The, the confessor has freedom, so we need to change that. The confessor has freedom. The responder is the one left with frustration. The confessor is saying, I've been, I, 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 I've been bottling this all up for this whole time, and now they experience some freedom from finally getting honest. The person who's responding and hearing that, they're the one that's left with the frustration. And I just say that to, if you have to confess something and it's finally off your chest and, and now the other person is having to live with the frustration, that just understand that. that the person who confesses, um, those two are both backwards. The person who's confessing, they're feeling the release. I don't know how that happened. Those just reverse both of those. The person who's confessing, they now have release. The person who's responding, now they have to feel that rejection. Because of, of whatever of what was shared, and I, and I just want you to understand those perspectives. So, so, so that when you, if, if you're receiving something from someone, there there's a tendency to feel that. I, I remember, you know, Debbie came to me some time ago, and she said, "Steve, I'm I'm talking with a lady whose husband was involved in pornography. Um, help me understand again now why she shouldn't feel rejected. Because I've I've told her that she that she shouldn't a wife shouldn't feel rejected. She said, tell me that. I said, well, it's it's like um, let's say you go out to your favorite restaurant." And, and you have your favorite meal. I mean, this is like, uh, you know, Ruth's Chris. I mean, you go and you have, you know, your, your favorite steak and, and, uh, potato and your, your favorite, you know, beverage and, and a little sorbet in between meals and whatever. And, 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 they, and it's just everything is just perfect and a lot. And you're just full to the max. It's the best meal you've ever had. And after you're done, the waitress comes along and says, would you like dessert? And you say, I, I could no way I could eat another bite. And then she pulls out this tray. And all these desserts, and one of them is seven-layer delight. It's got seven layers of chocolate and white chocolate and dark chocolate and chocolate fudge and, and chocolate whipped cream and, and just everything there. And, and, and you say, I just wonder what that tastes like. And so you order dessert. Now, now your, your ordering of that dessert is not a rejection of the meal. You should not eat that. It's called gluttony. It's, it's not good for you to do that. It's wrong. But you're not rejecting the meal. It's just your, your curiosity is, I wonder what that tastes like. Now, that does not justify a, a wrong decision. I'm just saying it's not necessarily a rejection of something else. It's just this whole issue of curiosity that leads us in places that we should not go. And it's wrong and it's sin, but it's not a rejection of, of something else. Okay, number, number, number 10, remind yourself of the true consequences of your sin. I think it's very easy to minimize the consequences and maximize the pleasures. When I, when I think this through, I, I try to remember a picture that I saw, a drawing I saw some years ago of Samson. And it was a picture of Samson, eyes gouged out, um, grinding at a mill. And I thought, there is the true picture of impurity. Remind yourself of the consequences. I've written down in the center of my Bible, I just have some blank pages, and I've written down the names of all of my children and grandchildren and the people that would be affected by my moral failure. Because I want to realize there there are incredible consequences. If I make wrong choices in my life morally, it doesn't just affect me. It affects everyone that I've ever contacted. And, and, and so I've made a list of all the people that would be affected by the, by wrong choices. If I made wrong choices that would, that would cause, um, a, a, the effect on, on, on others. Remind yourself of, of the consequences. And then refuse to stay defeated and depressed if you, if you, uh, if you fall. You know, the, the proverb says a righteous man falls seven times. 
But he gets up every time he falls. Our, our tendency is, okay, I'm, I'm going to be pure. I'm not going to let my mind go there. My eyes go there or whatever. And, 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 and something happens and something and it's, Oh, man, I blew it. Well, I've already blown it. My, no, get up. Get out of the gutter. That's what repentance is all about. You don't just say, well, there, I blew it. I might as well live there. No, you get out of the gutter and you do it again. How many times do you do that? Every time you fall. And, and, and don't live in it. That is the enemy's lie again. If you blow it, then you might as well live there. No, you get up. The righteous man falls, but he gets up every time he falls. Refuse to stay defeated and depressed. That's what confession is for. That's what forgiveness is for. God is a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. So don't beat yourself up. Confess, repent, and go on. And then rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to keep you pure. One night this next week, I'm going to talk to you about the filling of the Spirit and how to walk in spiritual victory. And ultimately, it's not about what you can do. It's about who lives inside of you. It's about the Spirit of God who indwells you and what He wants to do in your life to give you purity in your life. You can't do it, but He can. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Now, I've just, I've raced through this just to kind of give you a starting point. I, I don't know your situation. I don't know where you're at. But, but I know this. All of us face a battle with impurity. And, and, and the question is going to be, are you going to be honest enough to say, God, I, I want to be the person that gives this world a right view of you. I, I want my family to see Christ in me. And you may say, Steve, I, I have tried to uh, think right and look right and do right. And it just, I, I've, I've just blown. Okay, well, God understands that. Confess that. God, I want that to change. I confess. I agree with you. And now, God, by your grace, I want to take practical steps to walk in purity. And this next week, I'm going to give you some solutions on how to live daily in intimacy with God, dead to sin, dead to self, filled with the Spirit. But, but tonight, if you'll just say, God, that's my desire. I, I want holiness. I want purity in my life. I want that in my marriage. I want that in my family. I want that for my kids, for my grandkids. Let God know that's the desire of your heart. And then say, God, in these next days, would you just put some handles on that for me so, so I can begin to reflect Christ to a generation that is Christless. If I can reflect purity to a generation that is anything but pure. But, it, but tell him right now, God, that's my heart. That's my desire. I want that. That's the starting point. And God, I'm going to take some steps of action to say no to what is wrong and say yes to you. If you'll give me some handles in the days ahead, I, I want that to be the practice of my life. Talk to the Lord right there in your seat, and I'm going I'm to pray. Father, I, I, I know that we live in a culture that so pushes against everything that you say is right. And, and our, our desire is to reflect Christ to a generation that desperately needs to see an accurate view of you. And so we want that to be not just in our public life. We know that's got to start in our private life. And so I pray for every individual here, wherever they're at in this process, that today would be a, a new start the things that they think and the things that they look at and the things that they involve themselves in in the days ahead would, would reflect 
the character of Christ would reflect the truth of Scripture. That we would we would say yes to you. In the in this in this area that is so incredibly important. God, I believe there's nothing that takes us away from you any faster than moral impurity. So I pray that we would run to you. I pray that you'd give folks the willingness to go to someone that, that, that cares about them and, and, and to gain accountability and to be honest and transparent. Would you use this in a positive way in our lives in the days ahead? We'll give you praise. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.